0: I know it's early and you used to get into Sunday school and so you ain't really got kicked into gear yet so we'll take a minute here. I do want to say this um, as we get started this morning. Uh, I want to say thank you uh, for all of your prayers. And a lot of people have been praying for us and uh, I want to thank you for doing that. We, I do believe that's what's got us through the last couple of years. Uh, we've been trying to find out what's been going on and uh, just uh, dealing with a, a lot of pain and, and things and um, finally found uh, found out maybe what's causing it and uh, we were going to have surgery and thought it might have even kept us from being at Jubilee this year but um, we elected not to have it uh, the doctor came in and said look you, you we think we can treat this with medication and so long story short uh, the, we've started the medication and uh, the pain's gotten better and uh, they, don't think that, uh, the, they don't think the medication will shrink the tumor but what they do think is that we've caught it early enough to where it will stop the tumor from growing at all and they think that at this point if it doesn't grow we're gonna be okay and so we'll have to take the medication for the rest of my life but uh, if you've ever watched a video on the surgery i was supposed to have whoo uh, when, they, when they're talking about sticking an auger up your nose and drilling your forehead open um, I, I wasn't real, really a fan, and so I'm thankful that uh, I'm thankful that we were able to go a little bit different route, and uh, so uh, I do appreciate you praying. Though, take your Bible with me this morning. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, chapter number eight. Nehemiah chapter number eight, please, and uh, try to give you what's on our heart this morning. May just try to skip through real quickly here and just get the two two main thoughts um, this morning, Nehemiah chapter number 8, amen, found your place, say amen, all right, let's look uh, that was before the water gate from the morning until midday. Before, all, before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive under the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. Look with me in verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Look with me again in verse number 8. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you this morning for the privilege to be back in church. And thank you for everybody that's gathered here today and those that will be coming in. And we realize, Lord, that if we're going to have church, if we're going to be changed, if we're going to really have Jubilee this week, it's going to take you. It's not in one preacher. It's not in uh, necessarily the number of people, but it's going to be you. It's going to be your power. It's going to be your grace. and. Your touch and Lord this morning I pray that you'd help us, you know what we stand in need of and I did not come to perform or pretend or please men but I want to please you this morning and I pray you'd touch me, make preaching what it ought to be, help my thoughts to be clear, my words to be right and may everything that I say and do be Uh, To your honor and glory and Lord I pray help our hearts today change our lives. May your will be done. Help us to worship you like we wish we would have when we stand before you. Lord God please help us today and we'll thank you for all you do in Jesus name and all God's people said. I want to preach this morning for just a few minutes on this thought. The importance of the pulpit. The importance of the pulpit. The Bible said that in verse number 4, Ezra, the scribe, stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. You're in one of the most unique places, probably the most unique place on planet earth. It's called the church. And I realize the church is not necessarily the building or the pews and all of those things. I understand that the body of Christ, the church, is you and I. But we understand the local assembly, we understand that when you say Bible Baptist Church, there is a place in your mind, there is a location that you have in mind, that you come to, that you're a part of. And the same for me, when we say Faith Baptist Church, I think of our place and back home this morning. But there is a place inside that place that makes that place even more unique. And that is the pulpit. That is the platform. I would just say this, and I know some people may say, "Well, preacher, you're just, you know, playing on words, or you're making more of an issue out of things than they have to be." Thank you, sir. Uh, but I would just say to you, this is not a stage. A stage is where you perform. It's where you are putting on a show or an act. Now. Maybe there is a lot of that going on and I would say that there is in our generation a lot of performing that's going on uh, on the platforms and in our pulpits in our generation. A lot of men who are trying to do something that it takes the call of God on your life to do that I don't believe they've ever been called to do. But uh, this is not a performance. This is not a stage. This is a platform. The reason it is elevated this morning is not to put the man of God above the people. I'm made out of the same thing you are. I put my pants on the same way you did this morning, one leg at a time. Your preachers know better than you, and he understands that as well. But uh, we're not elevated this morning. The, the platform is not elevated so that man will be elevated, so that uh, Ezra was elevated, but the platform is elevated. that the word of God may stand above all this morning, that it may be elevated. And the Bible said He has exalted His word above His name. And there's an importance to what's being done this morning. Now, uh, I want to get somewhere quickly and just get out of the way, but I would say to you that It is very easy for you and I who have been in this way for some time to get numb to the importance of the pulpit, the importance of being here in the house of God. COVID has not helped everything. And I thank God that we have the ability to reach out now and be in people's homes when they're out sick and things of that nature. But I believe people have taken more advantage of that than what they should. And people that can come, people that uh, should be here this morning do not make the effort. Like they used to make. Uh, They don't see the importance like they used to see. I'm living in a generation and preaching to a generation. They could take church or leave it. Some are at a ball field today. Some are on the lake. Some in a few months will be hunting, other than, and many other things we could say rather than being in church, rather than focusing on the pulpit. And the focus of the pulpit today is not about me and it's not about those that will come this week and preach. And the preacher said it this morning. And for 24 years, uh, the Bible Baptist Church and some of us alike that have been able to be here have heard some of the greatest preaching that our generation has had the opportunity and the privilege to hear some of the greatest men of God have stood before us. And I think sometimes we have, and I know I have, I won't speak for you, but I have taken it for granted. And now I've watched some of those men pass off the scene and they are gone and we have no longer the privilege to hear them stand before us and take the Word. The word of God with a burden and a passion from heaven and deliver the word of God to our soul and now and listen I'm not throwing off and I'm not trying to be mean but I could care less about a message being alliterated I could care less about how many points it has or doesn't have if a man preaches one or if he preaches a hundred but just let somebody stand in the power of the Holy Ghost with the anointing of God on their life with a burden not trying to impress the brethren not trying to get another meeting Booked in their calendar, not trying to preach for a revival or some other camp meeting or some preacher to be impressed. so that they... No, just stand. And listen, if you're a country preacher, just be a country preacher. If you're a city preacher and you can say everything real eloquent, then be that preacher. But just be the man that God has called you to be. And preach in that place God has called you to preach in. I told somebody several years ago that tried to put me in a corner I told him. I said listen I said really to be honest with you I don't care what you think of me or our church I I said God didn't send me to Stanton Virginia to impress you or anybody else for that matter I said I don't have to have the approval of any other local church or assembly or any other preacher in our area I said I know the spirit of God and I know the touch of God and the presence of God and I believe we got it and I said whether you fellowship with us or not makes no never mind to me God put me in a corner and I'll Just take my corner and do the best I can with it for the glory of God. That all ain't in here, but I'm just trying to tell you this morning uh, that we need a generation uh, who is hungry for the pulpit again. And it's got to start with the preacher. If he's not hungry to be in it, he cannot expect the people he's preaching to to be hungry from what's coming forth from it. Uh, I'm just saying we need revival when it comes uh, to the pulpit. Real quickly, I would just say to you, and skip a lot of things, But I notice here the word of God. It is a place of the Word of God. I've already said it, I guess, getting ahead of myself, but it's not a place for personality, performance, or even pomp and circumstance. Now, if preachers don't have their camera out and their uh, their phone going while they're preaching and somebody videoing them and taking pictures of them, and look how many I've preached to, and look where I've been. and uh, But listen, friend, the pulpit, uh, it's not a place for your personality or performance or the pomp and circumstance of our society in our day. But I just say to you, it is the ultimate. Listen to me now. I'm glad. I'm very thankful that, listen, this morning, many of you got up, you read your Bible. I'm thankful that you can meet with God in a den, in a study, at the kitchen table. I'm glad you can meet with God in private. But I tell you, the pulpit is the ultimate place for the greatest resource available to mankind and that's the Bible sitting in your lap friend I'll tell you this morning it is a place for the word of God I know there's times that we move the pulpit and for weddings and special occasions and things of that nature and don't get me wrong I love good old fashioned singing I love it when people get up to sing and they know what they're singing about but you hear me I've been saved for 28 years I knew nothing about the things of God when I I got born again and there's been times that a song has ministered to me and got me through but I'm telling you brother Samuel more than anything else in my life it has been the preaching of the word of God that has brought me and my wife and my family to where we are today I look back over the course of my life and it's been men who have unapologetically stood and preached to me and my family the truths of the word of God that have convinced me and dealt with me showed me the error of my way thank God friend for the ultimate place for the Word of God the pulpit it is a place for the Word of God I would say secondly it is a place for the glory of God it is a place for the glory of God now watch this Bible said in verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Now watch now before anything else happened. The Bible said in Ezra, Blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen. Amen. Can I just say to you this morning, uh, y'all, to participate, get involved in what's going on, what the preacher said uh, as I was getting ready to come to preach? Uh, that's not just his personality. Hey, it's not just something we do in the South. Uh, they were doing it before the South ever came along. Are uh, you listening to me? They were doing it before the Bible. Bible Belt was ever known about I say to you before he ever the Bible said before I mean the scripture said in verse 6 that before anything else took place you know what he did he began to bless the Lord magnify that name that is above every name can I just say to you uh, that the pulpit is the ultimate place for worship Uh, it should be that place uh, where the glory of God is promoted more than any place else Uh, the the pulpit is the pride primary place from which worship flows. Are you listening to me? I'm thankful that you have a preacher that believes in old time religion, in worship. I'm thankful he promotes it. I just want you to know he doesn't change when he leaves here. He just got through preaching at our place. He was the same there as he is here. I've heard him there. I've heard him here. And he doesn't change. And I just say to you friend you can't listen. I'm thankful for a man that will promote worship that will magnify the one who is worthy to be praised. I'm just telling you I made a decision a long time ago that if I wasn't in the pulpit pastoring and it was God's will for me to do something different I'd done made a decision there was no way I was going to put my children underneath a man or in a building in a place that didn't believe in old fashioned Holy Ghost worship where it wasn't promoted from the pulpit. I know a lot of men that get upset with their churches because they won't say amen and they won't shout and they won't run the aisles and they sit there And but listen, you can't expect people to be alive when the pulpit itself is dead and dry. Are you listening to me? I'm just saying uh, the glory of God should be promoted but the glory of God should be participated in. Listen, if anything thrills you in your life, if there's anything Anything that excites you more than the word of God honey look at me I want you to understand something you're cold this morning you're getting away from him this morning you remember the time in your life when you first got born again when nothing else mattered you couldn't wait to get to church and it didn't matter who was preaching or teaching you just wanted somebody to open the Bible and say thus saith the Lord you didn't care if it was long or short you didn't care how hard or if it was a sugar stick sermon you didn't care if he was preaching on hell or preaching on Calvary Uh, honey you found your way to an old fashioned altar there was something for you in every sermon I'm just saying to you this morning the glory of God it is a place for the word of God it's a place for the glory of God but then it's also a place for the man of God It's a place for the man of God. I don't have to say this here, but I'll just say it for the sake of saying it. Here you see Ezra opened the book. They didn't call for Nehemiah. They called for Ezra. And the man of God opened the book and then he began to bless the Lord and then he began to expound and read the book of the law distinctly. I just say a few things about the man of God. I'm moving in a hurry, but I say first of all, he should be separated. Amen. I know a lot of men in my generation, it seems like Brother Jones, they'd rather be doing something else besides preaching. They got seven. Listen, I'm not against a man working. I'm not, I've, I've had to work and, and, and still do that. But I'm just saying that's not what I'm talking about. But it seems like that they, everything they talk about, they're more excited about the other 17 things going on in their life than they are about preaching the Word of God. I don't understand that. When God called me to preach, I'm just telling you, friend, I still, I started to preach a year after God saved me. I didn't know much at all. I still don't know much this morning. But I know this. I know there's a God in heaven who called me to do something I never dreamed I'd be doing. And all I could think about was preaching. I'd go to bed thinking about preaching. I'd get up thinking about preaching. I'd go to work thinking about preaching. Every time I'd go to church, I thought I ought to preach. If I went to a camp meeting, I wanted to preach. It didn't matter when it was. I'd preach in the jail preach on the street corner preach in a nursing home now we got guys that are waiting on the pulpits to open up and their pastor to die they won't go anywhere and preach I'm just saying to you first of all he ought to be separated and I'm not just talking about separated from the world I'm talking about being separated unto the work if the pulpits in America don't get serious again, I'm telling you, friend, you, we know we're in bad shape, but it's because that I believe it's not because of the people necessarily, it's because of what the people are watching and hearing from the pulpit. He should be separated. Then he should be serious. I'm not against a man telling a joke, I'm not against a man keeping your attention. I do that kind of thing myself. But it's amazing to me when a man puts on a clown show and he's going to and when you leave you're more you can tell more of his jokes and you can the points in his sermon and you can't take anybody back and give them any truth from the word of God but you can remember the ten jokes that he said and the the five people in the crowd that he made fun of and you know all his mannerisms and you know all of those things that he does Uh, but you can't say one thing about the truth uh, that he put across the pulpit and put into your heart I believe a man ought to be serious about what he's doing not just separated but serious but then he should be second and what I mean by being second is that the, the pulpit is never never in any way it should never be about him somehow some way when that man when a man gets in the pulpit he's trying to immediately get you to the Lord Jesus Christ somehow some way and again, I say to you, when you leave and all you can talk about is the preacher and not the one he's supposed to be preaching about, something's wrong, friend. He should be second, but then he should be sound. I would say too that no man knows everything, but, it, but, but every man ought to know some things. And the things that he knows should never change. I'm not saying a man shouldn't grow but you know what I'm talking about. We're living in a generation and listen, I'm talking about men my age and not just my age but men even older than me who that I once listened to and respected and revered and, and, and had confidence in uh, things that they preached for years and years and years uh, and said they believed and said the Bible now all of a sudden they've changed their mind changed their view hey, either they were wrong then or they are wrong now you cannot be wrong right in both areas and at both times uh, I just say to you uh, learn and grow and preach the word of God and don't back up hey listen just because your children turn uh, get to their teen years it's not time to compromise uh, everything you believe when you had them under your thumb uh, hey just because they're getting ready to leave home it's not time to compromise and just because your children may compromise doesn't mean it's time for you and I to compromise somebody's got to hold the rope. Somebody's got to do right. Somebody's got to always believe what the Bible teaches us. It's a place for the glory of God. It's a place for the Word of God. It's a place for the man of God. But then I'd say to you, it is a place for the people of God. It's a place for the people of God. And I'm thankful this morning I got saved at church. And I'm thankful you can get saved at church. But I'll just be honest with you. The pulpit not, is not necessarily for the sinner. The pulpit is designed really more for the saint. Our evangelism ought to be more to the outside of this place, not necessarily to the inside of here. Again, I'm not a, I hope somebody gets saved this morning. Here, right here in this altar. I hope people get saved all week long. My son, Justin, got saved at Jubilee a few years ago. I'm for it. But I'm just saying to you that ultimately the Bible said He opened the book in the sight of all the people and I understand, but you hear me this morning it's the people of God He's talking about. Aren't you glad God has so designed things that He just didn't leave us in this world alone after He saved us, but He's given us a place, but inside that place He's given another place and in that place He's put a person, He's put a man and that man is to take the word of God what God has designed for you and me and deliver a message to our heart oh thank God this morning God knows what we need he knows when we need it and how we need it how many times have you showed up to church on the brink? I mean of giving up and quitting and not knowing and God has buried something in the depths of the man of God's heart to give to your heart and it's got you through I say thank God for the pulpit Uh, there's several things I could say when we look here and we could talk about uh, when it comes to the people of God we could talk about their unity Bible said here in verse 1 and all the people Bible said in verse 2 the congregation both of men and women verse 3 the Bible said that they um, read Therein, uh, before the men and the women and those that can... All the people were attentive. Go on down, verse number 5, all the people. Again, twice. Verse 6, all the people. Again, in verse 7, we have the people. We need unity. I wonder how much our services would change if there was this unity in our hunger, unity in our humility, and unity in our honor when we gathered together in the house of God. I wonder how things would be different if there was a unity in our passion, a unity in our perception, a unity when people come and they're in there, but they're unified in this place. But then I wonder how it would change if people were unified in their praise. In their praise. You know when you come to the house of God, a lot of times there's four or five, maybe six or eight people, and, and man, you know that if it gets on, they're going to testify. But I tell you, we had a testimony service about a year, maybe a year and a half ago or so. And son, it broke out. I think it might have been, I don't know if it was Sunday, uh, Sunday night or Wednesday night. Man, it got on. And, and I'm not talking about just shouting. I mean, all of a sudden we had people standing up testifying, never testified. I mean, they had never, and I had people, man, I could see their eyes. Up here you can see a lot of things that y'all can't see. And man, their eye, people's, other people's eyes were getting big as saucers and they were turning around looking, is that so-and-so testifying? But man, all of a sudden when people realized it was and what they were saying, I had one young man, so I ain't never seen him get this way, but he was sitting in the back and he's, he's a preacher, but man, he got up, he was pacing up and down the aisle testifying. I mean, man, he was screaming and a crying and talking about what God had done and how God had answered prayer. And all of a sudden people got, hey, there's something about unified praise. Don't wait on sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so who's supposed to always kick it off. Why don't you kick it off sometime? Why don't you? How many services have you hindered because you didn't obey God and stand up and testify? You didn't shout. You didn't cry. You held it back. Afraid you was going to ruin your makeup. Afraid you didn't hold your hand. How many services have you hindered? People in their unity. What about people in their sensitivity? I could talk about a couple of things here. I'll come back maybe. Then What about, we could talk about their people and their conformity. Their pliability. Being able, in other words, obedience to the Word of God. Here's where I want to get to and I'll be done in just a second. 27 years worth of preaching. About 23 years worth of pastoring. And listen, I'm not necessarily against it. But we're living in a day where people need counseling more than any day I've ever seen in my life. And they really don't so much need it. I understand that there are certain situations, certain moments, certain things that come up, Brother Jones, where people really need to sit down and talk. But seldom have I sat sat down with a family or an individual... And they begin to open up to me and tell me what's going on that I don't in my own mind and in my own heart retrace about five messages that God just had me preach. And I'm sitting there thinking while they're talking, where have you been? We can talk about their unity, but there's something about this thing about sensitivity to the Word of God, sensitivity to the pulpit, and then this pliability thing. You see, this week we're going to hear message after message after message. And this week you're going to get to hear some of the greatest men of God stand and preach. And as far as I know, you're going to get to hear one of them in just a few minutes. He's going to preach this morning. And then tonight, you're going to hear, and then all week long, message after message. But do you hear me, Bible Baptist Church? You get to come and do that every week of your life. You get to come and you get to hear one of the greatest preachers of our generation every week of your life. I'm not saying that because he promised me a big offering. I'm not saying that because we're friends. I'm just telling you, he preaches almost every week of his life somewhere. And that's not because he's a bad preacher. That's not because he's, he takes his Bible out of context. No, that's because the touch of God's on him. That's because God uses him. That's because God has chosen to say something through him in our day. And you've been afforded the privilege to have that every week of your life. So here it is in a nutshell. How does a person say, stay sensitive to the pulpit? How does a person stay sensitive? How does it not become like water off a duck's back? Let me ask you something. How many times have you come in to the house of God, sat through an entire service, maybe even sung in a choir, raised your hand, shouted a little bit, but when you left, there was no change. When you left, you can't remember anything that the man of God said. When you left, there was no eternal stirring within you. You say, "Well, preacher, is that my fault?" I would say more times than not, yes, it is. I'm not defending your preacher; he doesn't ask me to do that. I'm not taking up for him, and I'm not saying it because I am one. But just after, but listen, friend, in in the number of years, short number of years that I've pastored, you just learn some things. You see some things. The Bible shows you some things. So how does a person stay sensitive? Two things, I'm done. Number one, first of all, if this Bible is going to change your life, if the pulpit is going to have any effect on you, you have to accept everything that crosses the pulpit as personal. Ezra doesn't give a title to his message. He doesn't give some fancy outline. You know what he does? He just opens the Word of God and he begins to read. Do you know what people in our churches would do today if we didn't have a fancy sermon title and maybe some kind of outline for them to follow? And most churches today, if they didn't have it put up on some screen and some, uh, some projector... You know what our churches would do if you just got up and began to read the Word of God to them? They'd go to sleep. Watch a NASCAR race, go sit two or three, four hours at a ball game, scream and shout, but you take the eternal word of God that he's exalted above his name. People are not interested in it. People don't want to hear it the way it's written. They don't want to they want you to dazzle it up. They want you to do something different with it. They want you to put some pizzazz on it. I'm just saying to you, listen to me, when he began to read the word of God to them, let me ask you something. Do you think they could afford the opportunity to say, well, that don't fit, They just somebody just passed it back, somebody passed it to the side, well, that's for sister so-and-so. That may be for that family. I'm telling you, friend, one reason we have missed it in our generation is because we see the man of God as a person, and I know he is, that he's a man like we are, and I'll get to that in a minute, but you hear me, I want you to know that what God has given to him to give to you and I has to become personal and if it never becomes personal it will never change your life that pulpit will never mean anything to you no pulpit in America will ever mean anything to you if what is said from there is not personal this jubilee will come and go and messages will be preached and services will be had and you'll be unchanged if it's not personal I'm talking about tomorrow morning tomorrow afternoon tomorrow night Right now, this evening, Wednesday night revival meeting, it's got to be personal. The preacher said this morning, God, do something for me. We got a generation, it's not personal anymore. I used to think, and I've had people, I guess, even make fun and, and, and slide it, but man, when I first got saved... And God's reminded me of this sometimes I, and I know there's a growing process but when I first got saved I was in the altar every service. Every service. And I ask you something, how long has it been since you've been on an altar? And before you say preacher, I do all my praying before I get there, look up here. I'm made out of the same thing you are I know what you go through. You don't have to come up here and give me an exegesis about your life and tell me. I know what you go through. That's right. I know what you're facing. I know weakness. I know temptation. I know all of those things. We're made out of the same thing. That's right. You can tell me that people can sit and listen to Bible preaching week in and week out and they never bow a knee. They never come to an altar. They never do any kind of repenting. They never move closer to God my hind leg I'm telling you friend it's not personal preacher get up and preach and people will sit there and think well man them young people they need to hear that and then he will preach something else and they'll think man I know three families right now and two of them ain't even here man I wish they were here he'll get up and preach something else and he'll think of it, and he'll sit there and think of his wife and she'll sit there and think of her husband When's the last time it's been personal? Are you saved? Because if you're saved, there was a day that he didn't know who he was preaching to. And maybe he wasn't even preaching on being saved. Maybe he wasn't even preaching a salvation message. But I tell you what God did. He made it real personal in your life. And if it didn't get personal, look up here, you're not saved. (laughs) My children didn't get saved because I got saved. My wife didn't get saved because I got saved. i tell you what happened. 28 years ago I walked into the New Life Baptist Church in Dalton, Georgia and for the first time in my life I would heard messages before. I would heard preaching before but for the first time in my life it got real real personal. I don't know if God spoke to anybody else. I don't know if anybody else got anything that morning but that morning he got my attention. He meant for me I knew I was going to hell I knew I needed a savior it got personal it got personal hey thank God I want it to be personal I still want it to be personal today I still want him to speak to me if it's not personal is he even speaking to you it'd worry me if it wasn't personal uh, people get worried when it is. Oh, no, friend. I'd get worried if it wasn't. Let me shut her down. You've got to accept everything that comes across this pulpit as personal. Last, I'm done. If, it, if, if you're going to stay sensitive to the pulpit, secondly, you've got to understand that what crosses the pulpit, it's providential. It's not only personal, but it's providential. Here's what I mean. The Bible said they called for Ezra. He takes the word of God. He's the man of God. But does, And I know there's a responsibility laid upon the man of God to preach the word, be, in, be instant in season, and I preach the word. I understand that. But you hear me. You do have a preacher that preaches the word. There'll be men here this week that will preach the Word of God. But hear me, it's got to be providential. Not just preach, so what do you mean by that? Well, you've got to understand, yes, He's a man. And yes, He has temptation. He's built out of the same thing you are. Yes, He puts His breeches on just like you do. But that is God's man. Okay, let me back up. I, just, I thought I was in a good place to preach this. It's God's man. He's God's man. You say, well, I mean, I, I, thought, I thought older men were... No, that's God's man. How old do you want Him to be? When's He going to become God's man? I tell you, when He became God's man, when God called Him to be His man, that's when He became His man. I'm just telling you, it's not about age. It's about anointing. All of David's brothers passed through there, and, they, and the man of God said, so That's got to be him. That's gotta, and the youngest one. Okay, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to just run this thing right on up. I know that's God's man. I know that. But, and I know that's God's man. And I could go, I know that's God's man. And these men are older, but I'm telling you right now, that is God's man. You don't have to believe I am, but I know He is. That's God's man, you say, why are you driving home? Because I want you to know He didn't have to follow you around all week to get something to preach on. He didn't have to tap your phone. He didn't have to watch your Facebook. All He had to do was crawl in a closet, open the Word of God, and there's a sovereign God that'll speak to His heart to tell you what you need to hear. I don't know how many times I've got up to preach thinking, Dear God, why in the world do you want me to preach this here, now? Sometimes in my own church, sometimes in a revival meeting. But I can't also, Brother Pendergrass, tell you the many times. Now sometimes nobody will say anything. But there's been some times where people, either after the service, Brother Laddie, or sometime maybe they'll send a message or call, and they'll say, Preacher, you had no idea. I said, what do you mean I had no idea? Oh, you had no idea. I've had preachers come to me at times. I'm not some super spiritual giant, Brother Jones, but I'm just telling you, I've had preachers come after. I've had preachers get up after I got through preaching and said, uh, I didn't tell him to say anything. I mean, it was that clear, that dead on, like we had went to lunch and he just spilled the beans out and, and, and it, Huh? You say, is it really like that? Oh, it's like that. The other night when he was preaching up at my place, he got through preaching. We went to my office and I said, man, I said, you you have no idea. I said, you couldn't have preached anything any better if I'd have laid it out, wrote it down on a piece of paper and handed it to you and said, now go preach that. That's where our church is at. That's where brother so-and-so, that's where sister so-and-so's living. That's where some families are. I said, you couldn't have done a, you, if I'd have wrote it down, you couldn't have done no better. What's that all about? That's all about a sovereign God who knows you and knows Him and knows that Bible and wants to work in your life. Let me tell you how you'll be changed you Jubilee, honey. It is personal, but you got to accept it as providential. In other words, it'll be His voice. It'll be His voice but He's just a voice for another voice. It'll be His mannerisms, but it's just Him as a tool in the hand of a sovereign God that is trying to reach into your life and do an eternal work. So whether the sermon this week's got a fancy title or not, whether it's alliterated or not, whether it's the the most demand, whether it's got the most Facebook likes or not, hey, Question is, are you going to let it be personal? I don't care if somebody's preaching on tithing and you tithe every service, you can let it be personal. I don't care if somebody's preaching on the home and you're not even married, it can still be personal. But it's got to be providential. You see, God is sending a word to your heart from the Scripture through His servant. But see, if all you can see, and I don't mean this, you know I don't. You know I love your preacher and he's my dear friend. But if all you can see is Ricky Gravely, you're not getting any help. If all you can see is Eric Brown, you're not getting any help. Oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. man. What if somebody's favorite preacher calls this week and can't come? You ain't coming to Jubilee, are you? Huh? You're gonna you're gonna stay home, ain't you? Because I saw. Hey, listen. Who cares? I mean, I got some guys I like to hear too, but it ain't gonna change nothing if they can't show up. Amen if he shows up honey if there's not one sermon if he shows up that's all that matters yeah. 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 entertained that's what we've gotten used to being entertained and if we can't be entertained we're not i mean we, we're not satisfied right. That's right wow. you ain't coming are you Why didn't you tell us, Brother Gravley, that they had to cancel? That's why. I quit. If I'm if I go out of town, I don't hardly even tell nobody anymore. You know why? Because if I'm not there, they don't show up. And then listen. If I got somebody coming in, and I know it's one or two of them, maybe it's not their, you know, their, their, their uh, mats don't strike on their box. I don't tell them. I just let them get there and see who's there, and then uh, I just watch them. <laughs> and then I watch the preacher unload both barrels on them, and I'm like, yes, we got to get over that stuff. Amen. Providential. It's got to be a providential word. How many times right on time has God sent the perfect word that you needed? Because he's providential. He's sovereign. He knows how to tell that man what you need. I know Miss Gravely does a good job at writing his sermons. I know that. But he's got to be the one that preaches it. (laughs) I'm just telling you, if you really want Jubilee to mean something this year, you really want your church to change, it ain't about him. It's about you. And it's about what you do with that place. Not just this place, but it's what you do with that place when you come here. Oh, you can come, and everybody else gets something. Everybody else be changed. People get saved. People getting help. Revival breakout, and you sitting there, no change, nothing. Ask Brother Jones. He pastor. He's watched it for years, preached all over the country. Ask Brother Barnes, ask Brother Pendergast. Ask these men that for years have looked into the faces of the same people week after week and preached the Word of God to them and preached the truth to them, and they sat there unchanged. Whose fault is it? You want to have revival? It ain't about the preacher. It's about you, friend. It's about what you're going to do with this pulpit this week. We're standing all over the building. Heads are bowed. Lord Jesus... Thank you for your goodness. We need you today. Preacher wanted me to give an invitation, so I'm going to obey him. And Lord, I need this message this morning as much as anybody. And I know it took a different turn. But Lord, you you can say what I can't. And I pray you would. You see the need in every heart and every life. And as we kick this jubilee off, I pray God you'd do something eternal. I need it. I need it. I want to be sensitive to this pulpit. I not only want to back the men that are doing the preaching, but I I want you to providentially speak to me. I want it to be personal to me. Help us. Bless Brother Gravely. Bless this church. Lord, you know I love this place and these people. And I pray, God, you'd work here, work this week in a way that only you can. Help us to get serious about what we hear When a man takes a text that's so familiar to us, help us not to just close our Bible and turn it off. Help us to find something brand new, something fresh in that moment that'll help us where we are. Bless Brother Jones this morning. Fill him. Use him, God. Use your servant like you've never used him. In this week, God please. Please use your men. Thank you for the men of God. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the place of God. Bless your people now in Jesus' name. Preacher, you come. If you need to come, you come. Come on, if you need to come.